evening sounds a little bit more imaginable. No, no, no reason. No. Uh, <laughs> all right, turn your hymn books to 252. There is power in the blood. Amen. All right, stand with me. <laughs> For you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, get all this blood pumping. It may hurt. Just stretch your legs out. Try to keep you up this morning. All right, I'm ready now. Okay, we can get started now. Done right now. Sin. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Could you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder working power. In the precious blood of the Lamb. Verse 4. Would you do service for Jesus your King? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you live daily his praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood. Pastor, come up. All right, well, good afternoon. Elijah, can I have you make a distribution? Yes. So it's one. Four pages long? No, I'm just kidding. Six. Oh, six, really? No. I was going to say, oh. Two sheets. First one's double sided, second one's yeah. not, but it's big font. Oh, it's a toughest favor. Remember, you used to always ask how many pages you have. I don't think she licked her thumb. I think she li licked her finger. I don't think she licked her thumb. But well, <laughs> All right. Revelation chapter number one. We're going to keep going here. It's been a little bit since we've been in the book of Revelation. A couple weeks. But uh, get back after it. We're going to cover one verse, so it shouldn't take us more than a couple hours. Just kidding. 
Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. I'll go ahead and open us in a word of prayer, and then we'll, well, we'll read it first, then I'll pray. It says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this tremendous book, the book of Revelation. And I pray, Lord, as we study it and we consider what it is that you have to say to us, I pray you would help us, that you'd encourage us, that you'd give us understanding, eyes to see your truth, and uh, help us to comprehend it, Lord. And we just thank you for the many blessings you've given us. Thank you for the good report on Brother Joe and for the good day we've had so far. We pray you bless this afternoon in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so... One verse, I already told you that. doesn't seem like a lot, but there is some good stuff here, a lot of stuff here to consider. So, remember the title of this book from Revelation 1.1, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. So that is uh, what we're talking about in this whole book. Is uh, Not only is it the revelation given by Jesus Christ, but it's also the revelation of Him. Uh, this point... Uh, this points us to the reality that this book is about revealing truth. Whoops. Uh-huh. There you go. About revealing truth about the plan of and the person of Jesus Christ. There you go. We can pretty easily conclude that the he in this verse is speaking about Christ. That is the he in this verse. In Revelation, if we look at verses 5 through 6 in the same passage, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we see the context of our passage is speaking about Christ. And then in Acts chapter 1, if you turn over to Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. It says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. This is the ascension of Christ. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come excuse me, in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So, when we read in verse 7 of Revelation 1, Behold, he cometh with clouds, shouldn't be that much of a surprise that it's speaking of Christ. Even over in Acts chapter 1, when he ascended, he ascended into clouds, and we were told he's coming the same way. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Our verse is dealing specifically with the physical return of Christ to the earth. So, blank there is physical Physical. 
This is the theme of the Bible and the book of Revelation. It's speaking predominantly, it's pointing us to, it's leading us to the physical return of Christ where he will come and establish his throne on the earth. Let's consider some passages on how with clouds is used in the Bible, how the clouds are used in other passages. So first, he led Israel with a cloud in the wilderness. Your blank there is led. Exodus 13 and verse 21, if we were to turn there. Too much. It says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. Don't, don't lose Exodus yet. The second one is the Lord descended in a cloud. So first the Lord led Israel with the cloud. Secondly, the Lord descended in a cloud. So the blank there is a, a Lord. I didn't want to get too difficult and have you spelled descended. So Exodus 34, 5. Verse 34, verse 5 says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So we see the Lord descended in the cloud. So first he led Israel with a cloud. Then he descended with a cloud. Next the Lord abode in the tabernacle, on the tabernacle, in a cloud. So abode, we're still in Exodus. kind of knew that was coming and I still close my Bible. Exodus chapter 40 and verse 35. It says, And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation, because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And then God appeared on the mercy seat. God appeared on the mercy seat. In Leviticus, whoop, there it is, God appeared on the mercy seat. In Leviticus 16.2, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. So, the Lord uses clouds for his chariots. Blank there is chariots. Psalm 104.3, it says, Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who wake, uh, walketh upon the wings of the wind. The Lord... Oh, that's the last part of that verse. That's what's going on. There it is. The Lord rides upon a swift cloud. Isaiah 
It says, The burden of Egypt, behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud, and shall come into Egypt, and the idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence, and the heart of Egypt shall melt in the midst. Yep, he rideth upon a swift cloud. And then the Lord was overshadowed by a cloud at his transfiguration. Luke 9.34 says, While he thus spake, It says, While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. So, the Lord was overshadowed by a cloud of his transfiguration. That was Luke 9.34. And as we already saw in Acts 1, 9 through 11, we looked that up in the beginning, the Lord was received by a cloud at his ascension. So we see all these references to clouds and the Lord. Well... There's one about us in the clouds, too. Believers will one day be caught up into the clouds when we meet him in the air. That's out of 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, which says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So one day we will meet him in the clouds. And then lastly, the Lord returns with them. It's our verse out of Revelation 1, 7, with them meaning with the clouds. Uh, it will also be with his saints, but that's, we'll talk about that later on in Revelation. Behold, he cometh with clouds. That's our verse today. So that is not an exhaustive list of all the places clouds are used with the Lord, but gives us a number of them. It's great significance to this. Um, so it's not a stretch for us to conclude that Revelation 1-7, when it says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, I think we've seen it in our context, we've seen it with our theme, we've seen it with the title, we've seen it with cross-references that show us that the Lord in the clouds is no surprise, or it's not, a, it's not unexpected. So it's interesting to consider that in the Leviticus 16.2, where it said, uh, hang on here, where was it? There it is. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place, within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. So that never actually was fulfilled in the Old Testament. So it's interesting to consider that that Leviticus 16.2 passage has not yet officially, or had not yet been officially fulfilled, so, never happened in the Old Testament. The next time we see the Lord appear in a cloud, after that, is in the account of the Transfiguration, where the cloud appears upon His precious Son in the Mount of Transfiguration. Maybe causes us to think, so what is the Lord's mercy seat? 
the Son, Jesus Christ. That is where mercy truly comes from and resides. It is through the Son of Jesus Christ. Does this not truly identify God's mercy seat to us? So, mercy is your answer there. Mercy. I used to be this preacher, Dave McCracken. He'd get going and he'd be preaching and he was loud. I didn't never saw, I never heard him preach in person. I only heard one message he preached, but I heard stories about him riding the pulpit like a horse. I don't know what that means exactly, but somebody told me that he'd get up on the pulpit. And so anyways, he, uh, he would do that every once in a while. He'd get preaching and preaching and preaching. He was from Oklahoma, and all of a sudden he'd go, mercy, like that. And they'd just randomly throw out the message. You'd just throw that out there. But anyways, kind of interesting. So at the rapture, believers are caught up into the clouds, but the cloud does not touch down on the earth. So Christ will also not touch down on the earth at the rapture. He will be in the clouds where we will go to meet him. At his second coming, he will actually come and set his feet upon the earth. And every eye shall see him. This is showing us that when Christ comes to establish his throne, he will be seen by all. Now, at the rapture, he won't be seen by all. At his second coming, he will be. It's interesting you think about that. How does everyone, how is everyone going to see him? It's going to be a supernatural thing because, you know, there are times like right now, if, the, if it was a clear day, We'd be able to see the sun, but people on the other side of the earth can't see the sun. And yet when Christ comes, every eye is going to see him. I don't know how that's going to work, but the Bible says that's what's going to happen. It's kind of amazing to think about. All right, and every eye, yeah, just said that. Matthew 24, 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So, all the tribes of the earth are going to mourn over it. Those that are here on the earth, when he comes, we won't be here on the earth. So, and they also which pierced him. Who is this referring to? Well, Zechariah chapter 12, verses 9 through 10 says, and it shall come to pass in that day. Remember what we said, in that day is actually a reference to, whenever we see that in the Bible, it's a reference to the second coming of Christ. So it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So we could assume the house of David, those in Jerusalem, will mourn. They, will, they are those who pierced him. The Bible records that Jesus' body still bears the marks of his crucifixion. There you go. Marks of his crucifixion. Luke 24, verse 36. Luke chapter 24 and verse 36. It says, And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher, and no, that's 24, verse 26. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? No, that's not it either. 
Oh, my soul. 36. Try this one more time. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, that's not it either. I know it is, but that, that's not where it says that he is piercings are there. I don't know what I did wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, somewhere in there, it speaks about the fact that his piercings are there. And we're familiar with it, so we don't have to find it right this second. But remember the passage where the Lord is standing before um, Thomas? Um, remember the passage where it speaks about the fact that when he was with Thomas and he told Thomas to put his to feel the nail piercings in his hand and to thrust his fingers into his side where the spear had pierced him. So we know that Christ still bears the marks of his crucifixion. Um, so he still has those. It's frustrating me that I got the wrong reference there, but I don't want to sit here all day and try to find it right this second. So anyway, so he still bears the marks. And we know that Christ bodily rose to heaven or ascended to heaven. So when he went to heaven, it wasn't just his soul that went. His body went too. And he is bodily resurrected, bodily ascended. So I believe he still bears those marks. So when those who pierced him look upon him, they will see or still be able to see those piercings. So who is actually responsible for piercing the Lord? We could say, uh, you know, the house of Israel, but let's look at a couple other things. John 19.34, one of the Roman soldiers. John 19.34. And seeing it was a Roman soldier, Romans are what? They're Gentiles, yeah. Just like you and I, we're Gentiles. Romans 19.34, it says, But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. So we see that he was pierced by a Roman, or we could say a Gentile soldier. In John 19.10, why did I close it? Um, We see that Pilate had a hand in his crucifixion. John 19, verse 10, Then saith Pilate unto him, Speaketh thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? So Pilate had a hand in it. In verse 15, we see the chief priests had a hand in his crucifixion. John 19, verse 15, it says, But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, Crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So the chief priest had a hand in it. And in Isaiah 53, verse 5, I put it on the screen here. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. So... We could say that you and I had a hand in his crucifixion as well. You and me. You and I, however you want to put that. There it is. And then later in our verse, in Revelation 1-7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, 
and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. We know this is talking about the second coming and not the rapture, because those who hold the return of Jesus as their blessed hope will not wail because of him. We will rejoice over, over the rapture. We will not wail. So, somebody else will. Matthew 24, verse 30. It says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So all those who rejected Christ... When he comes in power and glory, they will mourn, they will wail, because judgment is coming. Boy, that was some, I read one passage in Zechariah 14, where it talks about when they see him, it says their eyes are going to melt in their sockets, their tongues are going to dissolve in their mouth, and I was like, whoa, wowzes, that was, I would not really ever caught that before, but I was reading that, and I was like, whew. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9 is not that gruesome, but says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance upon them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So, there's a different story for the born-again believer. Praise God for that. We don't have to worry about Him coming with vengeance. We don't have to worry about our eyes and tongues being melted in their places. Colossians 3.4 says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Praise the Lord. Sounds much better than the alternative. <laughs> We will appear with him. There's your blank there, with. <clears throat> Praise the Lord for that. So there's definitely those who do not have, who do not enjoy the blessed hope. You know, there are those who do not get to look forward to his return. They, A, reject it, but when they learn that it is true, the Bible says they will mourn and they will wail. But praise God, we get, to, we get to enjoy the blessings of coming with our Savior. Amen. All right, I'll go ahead and close this in a word of prayer. We can fellowship for a little bit as we get ready to go. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Revelation. Thank you for this tremendous verse that points to your second coming in the clouds. And Lord, 
causes me, prayerfully all of us, to think about the blessings that we have to look forward to. And Lord, I just pray you'd help us as we look to your second coming, your triumphant return, and Lord, the blessing that we get to come with you in your glory. I just pray, Father, that we would do what we've learned today and live in the light, walk in the light. I pray we'd walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Lord, help us just to be faithful to you. I just pray you bless the rest of our day. Keep us safe. We love you and thank you and praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.